Welcome to Find Flow, a podcast on the ebb and flow of the IT operations management scene. We take a deep dive into the latest developments on IT operations management, IT service management, and AI ops. Find Flow episodes are on iTunes and Spotify, and remember to subscribe. I'm your host, Sean McDermott, and this is Find Flow. My name is Sean McDermott. I'm your host today. Uh, today we, we will be speaking with uh, representatives of Xenos. So Trent Fitz uh, is with us and Ani Gudrathi. Did I get that right, Ani? Yes. Good. Um, so uh, as part of our series this, this, um, this season, we're talking to vendors about their technologies, getting an idea where they're at on AI ops and what they're offering to their customers with their products and platforms. So we're honored to have uh, Trent and Ani with us today. Welcome, Trent and Ani. Sean, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Sean. Uh, pleasure. Good. Good. Yeah, my pleasure, too. I'm, uh, I was excited to have you guys on board. Um, full disclosure, I used to be actually on the board of Xenos <laughs> way back then. I haven't been on in, I don't know, five years or something like that. But um, So I have no affiliation there anymore. Uh, but... The um, so we'll uh, we'll jump into this a little bit. So um, Trent, you and I spoke before this, and and one of the things I wanted to catch up with you on is, you know, the state of AI ops from your perspective, how you see things, the history of how we got here, and and what what's going on in AI ops today. Yeah, so AI ops, which stands for artificial intelligence for IT operations, it's a, a phrase that was coined by Gartner, the industry analyst firm. Um, the, the original thinking behind AI ops was to address the problem where uh, enterprise organizations have too many monitoring tools. That's the bottom line, is that uh, it's very common for uh, a medium or large enterprise to have 20 or 30 or 40 different monitoring tools for their IT infrastructure. Um, and so, you know, the problems associated with that are there's a lot of management overhead. There are blind spots uh, in trying to, to see what's going on in the infrastructure. Uh, optimizing performance is difficult when you have that many siloed tools. And, and in the end, there's no real service level visibility. And so for organizations that are trying to move faster and trying to digitize, Having all of these siloed monitoring tools, it creates a real problem for, for, you know, making IT run at the speed of business. And so, uh, several years ago, uh, somebody had the, the idea of why don't we create this kind of overlay tool that will allow you to keep that, that same glut of monitoring tools in place. You don't have to address that. And we'll just send all of the events from the monitoring tools to the, uh, the AI ops platform. And so the, the data that goes into a generation one AI ops platform, and I'll just call, call that generation one. It was the first iteration of this. Um, it, it's events. It's alerts that come from the monitoring tools. And so the idea was we'll collect all the events from all of these monitoring tools and we'll, uh, apply machine learning and try to produce insights by finding uh, interesting patterns or anomalies. And so that was the whole idea is this problem that you have that is widely acknowledged, that is extremely common in, in most organizations of, of this monitoring tool glut. Instead of addressing the monitoring problem, 
let's just feed all of the events to an AI ops platform and it will magically produce insights for the, for the primary purpose of uh, root causing problems in your, your infrastructure. So if your shopping cart is running slow or whatever application you're, you're delivering to your end users, uh, whoever they are, that, that AI ops would make it easy to identify those problems and accelerate problem resolution. So the, what has, what has turned out to be true is that first of all, uh, the machine learning capabilities are not quite there yet to just ingest a bunch of events that, uh, for which the AI ops platform has no understanding of, uh, an AI ops, the generation one AI ops platform doesn't know what a server is. It doesn't know what a switch or a router is or a storage array. It's just seeing a bunch of purples and greens and, and whatever and trying to make sense out of that. The, the reality is the, the algorithms are, are not uh, capable of doing that without some other context. Um, you know, if, if you imagine the scenario that you're, you're feeding billions of data points into an AI ops platform, and, and there's some problem. And, and so the, the algorithms then learn when this series of things happens, there's a fingerprint there. That's when we know that that's, that's what the problem is. Well, what that means is the next time there's a problem, if it doesn't have that exact same fingerprint, the algorithms are not going to be able to pinpoint what the problem was. They're not going to be able to identify that. And so it, it's very uncommon in modern complex IT infrastructures that that some issue you have is the exact same issue repeatedly. And so the the algorithms that are learning from from incidents that happen, they have to see these incidents over and over and see other incidents over and over before they can even learn this is the root cause of this problem. And so first of all there's just a a, a time to value problem there that you how many how many outages do you have to experience that have the exact same fingerprint before you can identify that this problem uh, leads to, you know, to this, uh, the, the causation from, for this business problem is this IT issue that happened. And so, you know, one of the challenges there is that generation one AI ops tools that, that collect events, they don't have any concept of topology. And so this is one of the things that you'll hear from industry analysts repeatedly, which is in, in topology, we call it a model. Uh, some people call it a dependency map. In, in any case, what it means is for this thing that's being delivered to the end users, let's just call it a shopping cart because that's something that's easy for people to understand and visualize, uh, that there may be hundreds or thousands of components that that make up the IT service that delivers that shopping cart experience. These can be databases. These can be uh, uh, ephemeral systems. Uh, so we're talking about containers and microservices. Sometimes it's it's serverless uh, application delivery. It can be virtual storage. It can be software-defined storage. There are load balancers. That they're just a, an excruciating number of things that can constitute the IT service to deliver this one thing. Um, and so if you don't understand that topology, if, if the AI ops platform has no concept of how things are connected and how they're dependent upon each other, it makes it nearly impossible for uh, that platform to say, 
hey, when this problem happens in the shopping cart, it's probably this thing in the IT service that's causing that problem. And so this is one of the things that we've learned over the past, you know, three or so years that um, there, there are just some some serious gaps there. And so so what has evolved over the past couple of years is uh, what some analysts call Generation 2 AI ops platforms. And what what this is, these are tools that are collecting other data types besides events. Instead of just saying, send all of your events to the AI ops platform, they're actually proactively collecting other data types, metrics in particular, but can be ingesting logs, uh, streaming data. Sometimes there are agents involved. Uh, sometimes it's agentless data collection. But now you're you're building this model from uh, topology data you're collecting and metrics that you're collecting. And now you can basically build the dependency map or the model of that IT service. Now you're feeding that to the machine learning algorithms. So now when the machine learning algorithms uh, are, are detecting issues with the business uh, delivery of business applications and are able to traverse a model and see all of the, the systems that constitute that IT service, it makes it, um, you know, infinitely easier to, to pinpoint what the problem is. And so this is the evolution that we've seen. The, the first version of AI ops platforms don't fix your monitoring, just send all of the events to this platform. And then the second version, the second iteration of AI ops platforms, they're vendors that were already collecting the data, and now they've added machine learning to the back end to do better root cause analysis and accelerate problem resolution. That, that, that all makes sense, right? Because, you know, it was, without some type of topology, right, you just can't understand the connectivity. And if you don't understand the connectivity, you can't do root cause, right? And I think going back into, you know, years ago when, um, you know, the, one of the first, you know, like Micromuse came out back in the day, you know, they were doing a lot of work around, uh, r- handwritten rules for reducing amount of events through deduplication and filtering and things like that. But it wasn't really until, you know, some of these companies started to doing, um, topology and auto discovery and things like that, that they were able to start doing root cause analysis. And that, w- that worked well for a while until, you know, just the vast amounts of data that are coming in just started outpacing the ability for those platforms to perform. So you're right now you're back to these kind of gen one, uh, AI ops tools that are almost like AI ops versions of gen one monitoring tools, you know, back in the early two thousands and now being able to integrate with all these different sources to, to build that connectivity is critical. So where do you see things going over the next, say, you know, three years in AI ops? Like what's Gen 3 look like in your mind? Let me answer that. But first, I want to circle back on something you just said, that there have been analysts that have likened AI ops to SIM or S-I-E-M in the security world, which is uh, event correlation, basically. And so what those Gen 1 AI ops tools have been able to do is it's better event correlation. Um, but that's not quite the promise of what AI ops was. Um, but, but applying machine learning to what used to be in the security world, you know, uh, the SIM technology, that's, that, that, that's evolved into AI ops for IT operations. Um, as far as, and, and so, 
so th- it's kind of meeting in the middle now. It's there were the rules based tools that were collecting all of the data, but the data became overwhelming. And so then there are the the machine learning AI ops tools that can handle all of the data, but they don't have the context that they need like these monitoring tools do. And so right now, Gen 2 is kind of a, a meet in the middle and, and take all of the data in the context and then apply the machine learning to it. For Generation 3, um, I think that uh, the, the a key issue here is trust. And so, th- th- and this applies in, in many other areas of IT as well, uh, and, and specifically to automation. And for AI ops, the whole idea is... Uh, being able to automate things that human beings, you know, were previously or, or currently required to do. So the biggest obstacle, in my opinion, is, is being able to trust the machine to do what a human being can do. And so there are a number of things that, you know, phrases that you hear being tossed around. One of them is bring your own algorithm. And so these are, you know, people who are, are data scientists or, or just well versed in this kind of thing. Uh, they want to use algorithms that they understand. They know what kind of output you get. They know what input is required. Um, the, and, and, and so one thing is if I know what, what is behind the curtain, then I'll trust it a little bit more. The other thing is simply something that's called explainability that you put all of these billion data points in and the output was this thing we need to be we need to get better at explaining to people how the machine is reaching that conclusion and 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 we need to demonstrate that in the interface and so that is what is helping to build confidence and build the trust that will enable people to actually deploy these tools and trust that there is some level of of capability that is uh, that is offloading the work from the human beings, and and you know despite what you see in the movies and and you know other kind of fear mongering things, all, all, none of our customers are looking to replace their people with machines. They're trying to put the people on the problems that will advance their business and and those problems that still require human brains. But we have to get better at automating all of the things that can be done by by the machines. And so so trust is what I think is the biggest obstacle right now for um, for broader uh, acceptance of AI ops type tools. And and I think that over the next couple of years, maybe maybe three years, what you're going to see is a huge effort to uh, allow people to get more invested in what kind of machine learning is going on. And even for those who don't want that, to be able to explain, here's how the machines are arriving at these conclusions, and this is why you can trust it. Yeah, I think that's there's a couple points that you that you make that I think are absolutely key. One is, um, you know, when I started real ops back in early you know, mid 2000s and we were the first runbook automation platform on the market doing orchestration and integration across multiple of these monitoring applications. I can't tell you how many times we heard, oh, you know, you're, you're, we're going to replace staff. We never replaced any staff you know, through our automation. What we did is we allowed these organizations to take on more, um, more efforts, more work, um, and shift the work from being 
and sitting behind a screen doing mindless things to more innovative work, right? And letting your tier two engineers and tier three engineers actually do innovative work, not responding to, um, you know, countless mindless repeatable, um, issues. Uh, the other thing I think you bring up really is trust, right? And there's a lot of work about that being done, uh, and a lot of discussions in this, the AI space in general, like not, not AI sure. ops, but really AI ops in general. And, you know, I think that, I, I think when it comes to AI ops and talking to IT leaders, we don't deal as much with this. Um, kind of Terminator type scenario where people are a little freaked out about it. But certainly I think when you get into the general business world and people start hearing about AI, they, uh, they do get a little bit suspicious of it and, um, protective of where they're at and resistant to change. And, um, so trust is, I think is going to be, like, like you said, I think that's a huge thing that we're not talking about enough. And explainability is really, you know, the basis of, of establishing that trust. Absolutely. Good points. Good points. So, all right. So let's shift over, Trent, all good stuff. And you and I could sit here and talk about this the rest of the day, but, um, we got to give, uh, Ani a little time here. So Ani, um, we asked you guys to come on and talk a little bit about Xenos and what you're doing there. So, um, appreciate to to hear from you guys like what is xenos doing today in the world of ai ops what's your current offering uh what are some of your key capabilities and maybe even some of your key differentiators in in the market today right so uh you know xenos has been around for 14 years we have been leader in the uh, monitoring space infrastructure monitoring space uh, recognized by analysts uh, we continue to, you know, focus ourselves on infrastructure monitoring, full stack monitoring. And, uh, because there is a lot of innovation that happens and, you know, continues to happen because IT is not standstill. IT keeps on evolving, uh, for all the different reasons that we all know, right? Whether it is migration to the cloud, the evolution of DevOps, uh, the ephemeral, you know, cloud functions and the lambdas that are uh, now, you know, Kubernetes is another great example of how IT is uh, continuously evolving, right? So there is a lot of innovation that is still, uh, you know, happening and will continue to happen in the IT uh, world. And that's why focusing on infrastructure monitoring, full stack infrastructure monitoring is what, uh, you know, we want to do and we want to focus on. Uh, the latest offering uh, that is based on the fundamentals of uh, using AIML, uh, the modern architecture of, you know, uh, being a serverless platform is called, you know, Xenos Cloud. Uh, it's a complete uh, multi-tenant, uh, you know, build from the grounds up uh, kind of an offering uh, that we uh, that we have for our enterprise customers. And the, the key differentiators really there are, uh, you know, while, you know, traditionally Xenos has been like an agentless, you know, collect a lot of data, uh, and that is still a preferred way for our uh, IT partners to deploy these monitoring solution. We have now enabled and coupled, you know, Xenos Cloud with ability to, you know, collect even more kinds of diverse data through streaming technologies, right? So you can actually stream, uh, you know, different kinds of data, 
external data uh, through our open APIs, or we actually call it democratization of data collection. Uh, so there are a lot of uh, you know open source tools out there, like the Telegraphs of the world, or you know the StatsD and the Prometheus. So you know people have figured out how to collect you know vast amounts of data. And we want to be able to leverage that data collection uh, or that method of data collection, bring it into Xenos Cloud and apply those AI ML techniques to be able to derive more and more insights. So ultimately, it's not just about, you know, deriving IT insights. It's really about deriving business insights, right? Using some of these uh, IT infrastructure, uh, you know, data, uh, data, data sets that we collect or business data that we collect or we can collect. And then uh, putting two and two together, and uh, essentially deriving those business insights. Right. So that's that's really the key uh, differentiator. Now, uh, you know, Trenton, you talked about you know uh, the amount of data that we collect. Uh, you know, just has uh, you know just has quadrupled, and you know is continuing to grow or what have you. Since the onset, you know, we have last five quarters, uh, four quarters, five quarters. We have uh, the amount of data that we collect. Uh, has gone up five or six times, right? Uh, we talk about collecting data in, uh, you know, six to seven billion data points a day, uh, from all these different signals that, uh, you know, we are getting it from. So when you collect that amount of data, uh, trying to, you know, that needle in the haystack is, you know, the biggest cliche, but try, trying to, you know, uh, you know, take that and then, you know, derive those insights is an extremely difficult problem to solve, right? And, you know, what I like to call uh, that is, you know, kind of an oxymoron term, but precision at scale. How do you precisely, you know, be able to, you know, derive those insights uh, at the scale at which we are essentially, you know, uh, ingesting the data? And that is the uh, that is the second differentiator uh, that uh, the platform uh, is built for ludicrous scale. We can scale, uh, you know, uh, massive amounts of, you know, data ingest to ma- match with whatever you want, right? It's either the seasonality or onboarding of the new customer or, uh, you know, just, you know, a new different, you know, business lines that come up on the, on the platform, uh, you know, to continue to expand on that. So that's the second one. Um, you know, AI ML is the only, uh, technique known today, uh, that, uh, you can apply, uh, to those, uh, you know, that kind of scale and data. So, uh, you know, the platform is built, uh, you know, at the grounds up with those concepts of, uh, you know, apply, you know, algorithms or have a choice of algorithms that you can apply because it's not a one size fits all, by the way. So that's the first part of it. You know, Trent talked about bring your own algorithm. A lot of our sophisticated customers, enterprises do have their own data science team, data engineering teams, and they would like to also be able to get a platform that is, you know, not only offer something out of the box, but allow that, you know, that expandability into this new, completely new area where, hey, let me try, you know, some of, you know, techniques that we have developed in-house, right? Or our data scientists, you know, have, you know, a lot more deeper insight than, you know, what any vendor could be able to, you know, provide that, right? So, so that, you know, that is one of the key tenants, explainability, we talked about that, you know, that trust building, um, you know, the multi-tenant platform, it's, it's all, I mean, while we are able to explain, you know, and want to and showcase, you know, why did the machine do what it did, right? It also is about then, 
you know, taking, you know, being ability to take input back from the operator and then influence those algorithms, right? So, and we do that at multiple levels, right? We take it, uh, we do it at, you know, the operator level, we do it at the organization level, and we can also anonymize that and do it at the platform level, right? So a lot of times, you know, that helps solve, uh, what do you say, the cold start problem, right? A, a new customer or a new workload is coming onto the platform. We don't take, you know, 60, 70 days, uh, or a season to go by before a, uh, before the platform is able to, you know, provide some, you know, useful insights. We can use the anonymized data across the platform, uh, that, uh, can start, you know, deriving those insights in a matter of, you know, days, if not hours, right? So, so that is, uh, you know, I would say the third key differentiator. Now, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, data science and, you know, what are the different techniques in my mind, you know, there are three things, three, uh, there is a trifecta of three techniques that any AI platform needs to have to be able to be really called as an AI ops platform, right? It's a combination of anomaly detection. It's a combination, uh, along with event correlation and dynamic thresholds, right? So those three together are going to be able to, you know, free the IT staff to what you were just talking about, you know, doing more and more value added work and not be able to, you know, deal with, you know, alert noise or be able to, you know, do some of the day to day mundane tasks. And that then allows, you know, with a combination of an automation tool, runbook automation or what have you to be able to kind of, you know, chase that, uh, that dream of, uh, the, the last part of the AI ops maturity stack would be that self-healing, right? You know, a machine created a problem, machine detected a problem, machine solved a problem, right? Uh, now, now it's a, it's an elusive dream. It's a, it's a pursuit of that dream, uh, to be honest. Uh, but, but again, if we are going to be able to, you know, mature these platforms, right? It requires, in my opinion, uh, a combination of those, you know, three different techniques, uh, to be really called as an AI ops or, you know, AI ML based platform. And just one of those is going to be, uh, you know, not only insufficient, uh, but is really not going to be able to solve the problem. As a matter of fact, you know, the new generation of tool consolidation will include some of these, uh, you know, first generation AI ops players, right? Because the time to value after a lot of, you know, hardship and the deployment and the, and the money that is spent on those tools is really not actually pro- uh, providing any results. So now I have yet another tool that is giving me some yet another set of insights that don't actually relate to anything else that is happening, right? So, so, you know, it, it is, it's a, again, you know, for a business, uh, like us, I think it's a great opportunity for Xenos Cloud to, you know, get to that next level of consolidation, uh, in the IT tool sets. So when you talk about, um, so I think one of the things that's kind of interesting is the, the ability to, to bring your own, uh, algorithm, right? Yep. And customize algorithms. And then this idea of anonymizing data across. So is that one of the diff- benefits of, of being a multi-tenant platform is that you're able to anonymize the data across multi-customers and use that to create better algorithms that can then be pushed down to all the customers? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, and, and you know, this is not uh, just a, you know, IT operations tool phenomena, right? Multi-tenant SaaS uh, systems uh, are, you know, if implemented appropriately and securely, because, you know, this is the customer data, 
that we are dealing with. So those anonymization techniques need to ensure that the data security is there. But absolutely the case where you can generally detect, you know, insights and patterns that you may be able to apply, right? And, uh, you know, give our customers even more interesting insights on how, I mean, how many times, you know, does a IT operator, you know, go on, uh, you know, uh, social media tools like, you know, stack driver, right? Like, Hey, why did certain thing happen? Right. And I have a combination of, you know, this hardware and a software, right? And how vulnerable is it or what have you, right? Or how do I solve the problem? Right. How many times, uh, you know, have we supplemented our own internal knowledge bases uh, by just Googling those terms, right? Uh, and trying to understand, is anybody else experiencing those issues, right? And is anybody else being able to better solve those problems quickly? So so that really is the power of the multi-tenant SaaS, where if you are able to appropriately anonymize that data, then you can actually provide that insight back to our customers in forms of either, you know, real-time analytics or, you know, offline analytics saying, Hey, you know, this set of combination, you know, is either better or is it more problematic or, you know, as uh, customers are moving more and more workload to the clouds, right? Here is how you essentially move those workloads because, oh, by the way, we have seen, you know, both the, the goods and the bads of, uh, you know, of that similar experience, uh, right? That our other customers may have had, right? So that's, I mean, that, that, I think we are just scratching the surface, right, uh, as an industry on how to actually take information that and anonymize and provide those insights. And, and that's, that's just another extremely fabulous part of problem solving that a lot, that multi-tenant system allows us to do. Yeah. I, I think what's really interesting about that, uh, we, we talk a lot and, and over the last couple episodes about the teams needed to build an AI ops strategy, right? And execute on that. And I mean, you're talking about data scientists, you're talking about, uh, business analysts, you're talking about, um, yeah, infrastructure engineers, right? right? And that's a lot of people. And I think that there's going to be a lot of challenges in organizations being able to build those teams, whether, from a cost perspective or just availability of talent. Absolutely. You know, we see, we're seeing this in the cybersecurity space right now, right? For every, for every, uh, one qualified person, there's two openings. You, right. know, you can't hire enough cybersecurity people. So what is, what are the smaller companies supposed to do? And I say smaller, I mean, mid cap enterprise are probably, you know, $5 billion companies sure. when all the talents being sucked into the large companies and you've got banks on Wall Street that are, you know, employing a thousand data scientists right. Right? And, and, and the rate structures and salaries and things like that. So I think that it's really an interesting thing being multi-tenant and being able to, to take that data and create algorithms and models for your customers to really alleviate them having to do it. And if they have the ability and the wherewithal to go in and make modifications to them, then that's great. Right. But I, I just think that there, I think we're, we're we're running into an interesting area in IT, and that is a really a lack of of these higher level innovative skill sets, right. and 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 we're just going to see a shortage of that. Right. And I think AI is going to kind of make that more apparent. Right, and, and you know the cloud migration. If you just take that as an example, right? I mean, 
the opportunity for every organization to, you know, at the bare bone, create a very customized solution. I, I don't think there is a lot of appetite for that, right? Because then you are requiring very specialized personnel to, you know, manage that, right? And then you kind of, you know, create, um, you know, single point of failures. Uh, and, you know, the, the cloud providers for their own scale are not going to allow you, right, to customize an environment at the nth degree or what have you, right? So, so, you know, that itself can drive the standardization, but that itself can also be helpful from this, you know, anonymizing of, you know, data and, you know, collecting a lot of, you know, experiences, similar experiences and drawing the insights, right? So, so I think, uh, I mean, it's, uh, like I said, you know, it's an ex- extremely exciting opportunity. I think, you know, Xenos uh, Cloud has um, uh, probably a leg up uh, from the competitors, the way it is designed and has that ability to do that. Uh, we just, we just now need to, you know, continue to go ahead and, and do it faster and, and, and at scale. So. Sean, if I could add something to that, um, back to the point that you adding to the point that you made, if you've gone to industry analyst conferences over the past two, three years, one of the things that I've seen presented repeatedly is in, in a session that is something like how to have a successful AI ops deployment. One of the lessons learned when the Gen 1 AI ops tools came out is that organizations didn't realize that they needed teams of data scientists. But but basically, you're taking machine learning algorithms, you're feeding it a bunch of data, and you're looking at the output, you evaluate it, you have to adjust the algorithms and train them to get the right output. That means you're looking for this rare species of employee that is someone who understands IT infrastructure to help inform these algorithms and then somebody that same person needs to understand the algorithm so that they can adjust tune them uh to get the right output and, and that's one of the areas where ai ops fell down out of the gate is because people weren't prepared to hire teams of data scientists and then when you do prepare and try to go hire them there just aren't very many people out there with those skill sets and so so you know when you asked about predictions this is one of the other aspects you know, in addition to trust that will help us get uh, AI ops to meet its promise over the, the th- next three to five years is being able to uh, to produce the capabilities without having teams of data scientists. And the key there, again, comes back to topology and dependencies and feeding that into the algorithms without a human being having to sort out all of that out and, and tune the algorithms to understand it. Yeah, if you go back back and look at my um, one of the broadcasts in the last week or two, we talked about a open source, some work being done out of I think it was Cornell around uh, simplifying AI uh, uh, algorithms and things like that, so that more business people could actually get into the AI game and the work that they're doing there. And I think that's some really interesting things that. you know, the market's going to be bringing to, to kind of solve that problem is how do you, because that's really, in my mind, that's, that's a really interesting dynamic of being, of having people who truly understand the business and the context of the business, then be able to move into the AI space and, and use simpler tools that have been, that have been developed to help um, develop these AI models. And, 
I kind of liken it to no code, right? Yeah. Where you you basically, you know, five, 10 years ago, I mean, in order to build a business application, you had to go hire developers and things like that. And you had to business people. But now you have business people that get trained up on something like maybe ServiceNow or even Salesforce or something like that. They can actually build applications through no code technology and achieve the same thing. So you shift that, you make the technology simpler so that, the business applications can actually get better because they're being built with the people with the context of that. Right, so, right. Hey, so one of the things I want to talk to you about too, just ask a quick question is Xenos has a really interesting history being derived from the open source community. There, there aren't very many vendors out there. So what is Xenos doing now in in that open source community and the legacy, what you guys did in the past? Yeah, no, we are a big fan uh, of the the community, uh, both uh, from the way we contribute uh, into the community, also how we leverage a lot of um, you know knowledge and insights from the community. And it's not just Xenos who uh, ultimately benefits from that. It's really at the end of the day our customers who benefit from that. So. You know, for the, our on-prem product, right, we, uh, at a regular cadence, uh, you know, uh, open source, uh, our latest offering of our on-prem solution, uh, you know, for the community to go and use, um, you know, you know, a lot of our new prospects to Xenos Cloud come to us because they have used, uh, the open source product somewhere in the lifetime or they have heard about it or they have experienced, uh, and, and they want to now, uh, leverage uh, some of the new things that we are doing. The the most important aspect of uh, that whole open source uh, kind of setup uh, is, uh, you know, what we uh, call Zenpacks, right? So these are the adapters uh, that we can, you know, build to monitor, you know, a wide range of different technologies. And we uh, support three different models of, you know, Zenpack. There is a commercial that, you know, our engineering team keeps, uh, you know, building and, and keeping up to date. Uh, our, uh, our professional services team, you know, builds uh, some specific ones uh, based on the customer needs. And then we have, a, you know, an extensive library of Zenpacks that are being built and supported by the community that our customers can take advantage of, right? Not just in an on-prem way, but they can actually bring one of those community Zenpacks you know, uh, for a Xenos cloud installation and we will do all the appropriate, you know, you know, checks and balances, make sure that it is still an okay Zenpack for us to, you know, be able to offer to our customer and we can absolutely, uh, you know, do that. So, so that, uh, to us is, you know, an immensely powerful tool, uh, that is out there. Uh, and we want to contribute to that and we want to continue to innovate, uh, you know, our new open APIs or what have you, uh, to model, uh, with with you know a similar kind of a you know community support structure out there. That's awesome. So all right, so uh, we're kind of going to wrap up now. So one of the last questions I want to talk to you about, and I think you answered it some way. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to just get more more kind of pointed on this, and that is, you know, what should customers be looking for when they're looking for an AI ops solution, whether it's yours or others? But you know, like what are the top five things that a, a company should be thinking about when they're looking at an AI ops platform? Okay. So, uh, you know, to just, you know, summarize it in bullets. First one I would say is the time to value, right? Uh, you absolutely have to, you know, go and look for how soon can I get value out of this uh, product, right? 
secondly, uh, it's really, um, you know, not one of those three things or what have you, right? It's a combination of, you know, the anomaly and correlation and dynamic thresholds that really sets you well up for, uh, you know, taking that leap to the Gen 3, if you will, right? Which is, you know, that self-healing probability. So, so that's, that's important. Uh, scale is important, right? Uh, you go to the clouds, you know, IT teams will be saddled with, you know, developers building something and saying, okay, now it's your responsibility to monitor. And oh, by the way, you know, this thing that I built, you know, generates, you know, massive amounts of data, right? Uh, but now I don't know what to do with that, right? So that scale is important. So something can, you know, grow as the business grows, uh, right? Without even having uh, for you to, uh, you know, continue to invest in that. So, so that scale is important. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, you also need a tool that is kind of future proof, right? Uh, IT is moving fast. Uh, you know, you are going to cloud, uh, or maybe you're, uh, you know, doing, uh, data centers again, whatever the flavor of today is, right? You need a tool that is going to be there with you, you know, that can, you know, give you that, you know, the elusive single pane of glass, if you will. Uh, doesn't matter, you know, how IT moves, right? Uh, because the, the tool needs to stay with you there. And then finally security, right? Um, I mean, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, the data that, uh, tools like Xenos monitor, uh, is one of the most mission critical, uh, information that we collect. Uh, and if you are a SaaS based solution, you have to ensure that, you know, that data is secure. Uh, you can trust that partner, you know, with their, you know, their DNA, their SDLC practices, their compliance checks, you know, what have you, right? Uh, is this partner going to be able to securely, you know, treat your data uh, with utmost importance, right? So I think that those would be the five things I would recommend uh, that any of the vendors uh, or any of our customers actually evaluate the vendors on. I've heard people talk about, hey, go and ask uh, what algorithms that you use, right? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, Fine, you know, to your point, you know, it's really about, you know, bringing, you know, the, uh, the AI to the business, not teaching, you know, business people how to do AI, right? So, you know, it's mildly important, probably, right? Which algorithms that you use, but I think, you know, stick to those business KPIs. Uh, and I think, uh, that, that is where you will probably have a better evaluation of what you are going to invest in. So. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Trent and Ani, I uh, I think we're uh, we're wrapped up on our time. Any final thoughts before we uh, say goodbye? Oh uh, no! Again, <laughs> uh, this is uh, you know it's been what an hour that we have been speaking, and you know it is uh, it's amazing when you know you know Trent and I can geek out at this you know all day long. Flies when you're having fun. Exactly. You yeah, exactly. So you know, thank you for <laughs> thank you for the invite. Uh, really had fun and enjoyed this conversation. So, yeah, appreciate you guys coming. Trent, anything? On I was you? just going to say, we, we really appreciate you having us on and, you know, keep your eye on this space because I think it's going to be really exciting over the next couple of years. Great, great. So you guys, uh, everybody can find out more about Xenos at www.xenos.com. Yep. Pretty easy, That's right? Yep. Z-E-N-O-S-S. Yep. Uh, so again, thanks Trent and Ani for, for being here. I really appreciate it and, uh, all the insight about and learning about your product and, uh, good luck and, uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, Sean. All right. Take care. Thanks for joining us in this week's episode. 
IT operations management is all about staying on top of the wave. Hit the like button. Tell us what you thought about this episode. Share and subscribe. And we'll see you next week on Find Flow. Thank you.